0: You're listening to a sermon from Darabin Presbyterian Church. Visit us online for more resources or to get in touch. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. All the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, "'Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? "'Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? "'The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. "'You handed him over to be killed.' And you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By the faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord that, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, your own people, You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to bless, first to you, to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways.
1: Thanks Ariel for that Bible reading. Uh, My name is Adam, I'm one one of the pastors here at DPC. It's great to see so many of you in person, how exciting is this? Uh, You'll find on our webpage, on the the welcome card page, uh, an outline and a couple of pictures. So if you haven't checked it out yet, go there. There's some diagrams I'll refer to. Uh, And wasn't it great to sing that song before about this chapter? Uh, I actually remember back in the late 80s, I sang a version of that song. So it's great to see that it's been reinvented for a new generation. Uh, As we come to think about this chapter, uh, let's pray and ask God to be with us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful privilege of gathering together to hear your word, and we pray that you would speak through me by your spirit, so that we would come to know Jesus better and love him more. Amen. Last weekend, Tracy and I took the kids up to Rochester to visit her parents. And it was just so good to get out of Melbourne for the first time in months, to have a change of scenery. It was also great to see my in-laws and to catch up on some of the landscaping they've been doing in the backyard. Uh, We went down to Bendigo one day and caught up with my parents who came over from Stall. My brother and his girlfriend came up from Melbourne and we had a great time together. Uh, The weather was perfect, unlike today. It was amazing weather and it was just a wonderful weekend. I had a massive dose of post-lockdown refreshment. How about you? Have you had that sort of experience in the last few weeks? Uh, Maybe it's been just seeing friends again, uh, sitting in your favourite cafe, uh, going to Kmart for a three-hour shop, uh, getting a haircut, taking a trip to the beach, or maybe it's just been that amazing piece of having everyone out of the house and you have it all to yourself. That's pretty exciting. Now, I appreciate that for some people, uh, coming out of lockdown... Has been tricky. There's been some challenges, but I imagine that all of us have had at least one thing that we've really enjoyed about it. Uh, there's been a, a restoration take place in our society and our community. You know, in-person church services have been restored, and we get to renew our fellowship and our worship of God. But as good as it has been for us, there's an even greater refreshment that we can enjoy. A man discovered this 2,000 years ago. He had a lot tougher than us. It's bad enough to have been locked down in our houses, but this guy was locked down in his body. In our passage today, in Acts chapter 3, we're going to meet this man and he was born lame, unable to walk. For more than 40 years, he hadn't been able to move his legs. And so he was dependent upon others and he lacked Uh, Many of the freedoms and refreshments that the other Jews enjoyed. And so he'd possibly given up on restoration, yet God had something amazing planned for him. So we meet this guy in Acts chapter 3, verse 2, and he's begging by one of the temple gates in Jerusalem. Peter and John, two of the apostles, they're on their way to the temple for the afternoon Jewish prayers. And as they approach, this man asks them for money. In verse 4, Peter and John stop and ask the man to look at them, which is a bit odd, because usually people probably would have just walked past and ignored him, or if they did maybe give him some money, they probably wouldn't have really spent much time thinking about him or even acknowledging him. But these two men, they want to engage with this man. And then Peter says these amazing words in verse 6. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Walk, and then amazingly, the man is physically restored. You'll see in the sermon outline that I call this an insta heal. You can see in verse seven that Peter helps the man to stand up, and the man's feet and ankles became strong. And remember, this is not the the mere removal of sickness. This is a complete restoration to a perfect physical condition. Remember, he was born lame. There would have had to be new muscles and nerves to to grow and he'd never learned how to walk and so his brain would have to be wide so he could actually control his legs. I think about how long it takes a toddler to learn how to walk and he's done it in an instant. This is truly a miracle, an insta-heal. And so no wonder he starts walking and jumping and praising God. This is better than our post-lockdown joy. He's been made physically whole. And, and think about the dignity that's been restored. He doesn't have to be carried around by his friends anymore. He doesn't have to beg anymore. He can go get a job and work for a living. But it's not just physical restoration that's taken place. There's also been spiritual restoration. He can now approach God for worship. Did you notice where the man is sitting? sitting. He's outside the temple gate called Beautiful. Now, we're not sure exactly which gate this was, but if you look on the welcome card online, you'll see there's some images there, pictures of the temple and some, um, a diagram. And so it could be that it was the gate on the far east that opened into first the court of women, or perhaps it was the next gate along between the court of women and the court of Israel. Now, it doesn't matter which of those two gates it was, The key thing is that only men were allowed to go through that inner gate into the temple courtyard. That's where they could interact with the priests who offered sacrifices as an act of worship. This man had been barred his entire life because of his physical condition. Now, I don't think you'll find a Bible verse that would bar a man like this going into that inner courtyard. I think it's more of a traditional understanding of the Jews that came over time. But either way, you can see how excited this man is. He can finally approach the temple to worship God. He's walking and leaping and praising God. He'd been locked down in his body, unable to move, but he'd also been locked out of the temple courtyard. And so his physical healing allows him to come into the fullness of his spiritual life. He's able to enter the inner courtyard and worship God along with his fellow Jews. Now, he would have soon discovered that he has even greater access because of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Because we know, don't we, that when Jesus died and rose again, the temple became redundant. But we need to not miss what's being depicted here, what we're being shown. You see, we all have physical limitations, don't we? And perhaps we've wished that someone like Peter or John would just wander by and just give us an heal. Fix all of our physical problems. My son, Tobiah, has spina bifida, which means his legs don't work properly. And Trace and I, we have prayed and prayed for his healing. But this event in Acts three is not primarily about the physical healing. It's about what it points to. It's a sign. It's about restoration to God. This man couldn't enjoy the fullness of relationship with God until he was physically restored. And thankfully today, we don't need to be physically healed to be able to approach God in worship. You can have good legs, bad legs or no legs and still be in a relationship with God. But what we do need is to be spiritually healed. And that's what Jesus does for us. So this man's physical experience acts out the spiritual experience we all need to go through. And so it would be wrong if you were to open this passage and read it and to come away bitter because you go, well, why can't I have a miraculous healing? To do that is to actually miss the point. See, there are better things than having your legs work. There are better things than having your cancer taken away or your anxiety removed. As amazing as it would, to have those things taken away. The much more amazing thing is that you can be restored to God. And so to understand that more, let's move on to our next point. Peter's going to go on to make it very clear that the healing power comes from Jesus as represented by Jesus' name. In verse 11, we see crowds come rushing up to Peter and John and this man, and they're astonished at this miracle. But Peter doesn't want them to misunderstand what's just happened, and so he makes a speech. Have a look at verse 12 for the first part. Peter says, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? Peter and John want to make it clear that they're not anything special. You know, they're not prophets with special powers or authority, instead, they are messengers who represent the one who does have the true power and authority. And then skip down to verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. It's Jesus who's healed this man. He may have ascended into heaven but he's still working on earth, bringing restoration to people. You might even remember that Jesus did a similar miracle when he was on earth. There was another lame man who was near the temple, who'd been an invalid for 38 years, and he too received an insta-heal. And so this shows us that even though Jesus is physically absent, he is still spiritually present, and his power is still at work through his apostles. And specifically, we learn here that the power comes from Jesus' name. Now, that might seem a bit odd to us. But for Jews, someone's name represented who they were. It stood for them. And so Peter stresses the Lord Jesus' identity. Back in verse 6, he says, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And then in his speech, he points out that Jesus is God's holy and righteous servant. In verse 13, referring to Jesus as God's servant, he says that God has now glorified him, speaking about his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. Yet the Jews may have despised Jesus, but God has honoured him. And then look at verses 14 and 15. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. The Jews preferred a killer to Jesus, and then they killed the one who gives life. Jesus is the Holy One of God, the truly righteous one. This is the one who heals. This is the one who saves. This is the one who draws people near to God. And it's by his name that all of this happens. Can you see then that this miracle is ultimately about identifying Jesus, showing us who he is, who he is still today? He is the holy and righteous one. He's still powerfully at work in the world. And then Peter also confirms that the way to access this power is by faith in Jesus. You know, Peter stresses that it, it was not the two apostles' power or their godliness that healed the man, but rather Jesus' name. But that doesn't mean that the name Jesus is like a special magic spell or a code word. You kind of enter it, redeem it, and then kind of new upgrades are unlocked. You can't chant his name for special healing. You have to actually trust in Jesus and be a believer to get the full restoration that's depicted here. Now, there are some Christians who would disagree with me. They'd say that Jesus' name is so powerful that unbelievers can even use it to heal other people and even unbelievers can be healed by the name. About four or five years ago, I met an Iranian evangelist. And he'd been an influential figure in a family that I knew. And he came to Melbourne and was having some special events and prayer meetings and things like that. And because I loved this family and respected them, they invited me to come along. And so I went to hear this evangelist speak. And he was talking about his work amongst Muslims and all of the miracles that he'd performed in his ministry. But there was one story that just didn't quite sit right with me. He spoke of being at a refugee camp in Indonesia and there was a man there who had something wrong with his leg. And I can't remember if it was broken or diseased or a birth defect. and It probably doesn't really matter. But there were some Muslim men gathered around this man. And the evangelist guy wanted to show them how powerful the name of Jesus is. And said so he, he was going to heal this man's leg in the name of Jesus. And then he looked at one of the other Muslim men and said, You know what? Jesus' name is so powerful that if you use the name, you can heal this man's leg. Now, none of these other people are Christians. And so the story goes that this other Muslim man declared the name of Jesus over this man's leg, and it was healed. Now, perhaps I'm overly sceptical, but I just, this just didn't sit right with me. I had a problem with it. Because, see, there was nothing there about faith in Jesus. It was all about the raw power of his name that can be wielded by anyone. And I'm not convinced that fits with the Bible. Eventually we're going to come to Acts chapter 19 and we'll see some Jewish men who are unbelievers. They see Jesus' apostles casting out demons in the name of Jesus so they say, well, we'll have a go of this too. And it backfires on them because there's a demonised man who ends up beating them up. Now you might say, well, but didn't Judas perform miracles and do amazing things? Remember in chapter 2 we had to talk about why he had to be replaced as an authoritative witness and he needed Matthias to be appointed. Uh, And In Matthew 7, Jesus speaks about in the future, uh, there'll be false Christians and preachers who will plead to be led into heaven and they'll say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? But since they didn't trust and obey Jesus, he will send them away. So maybe you can do miracles and not be a believer. But the issue here, the issue with this story about what happened in Indonesia was that You know, maybe God was being gracious and helping out in this situation. Or maybe there was a different power at work. I don't know. But either way, the issue was there was no faith involved. There was no faith from the one healing or the one being healed. And ultimately, what good is a miracle that doesn't lead to faith in Christ? And so the key idea I want you to understand is that the name of Jesus is not something that you can use as a magic word. It actually represents Jesus' person and authority. If you want to access the benefits, if you want the restoration that Jesus brings, you need to come to Him in faith. You need to trust in Him and not trust in your own ability to wield His name to your own ends. What Peter also makes clear in his speech is that faith must be paired with repentance. Repentance. So let's look at our next main point, the benefits of repentance and faith. Peter addresses the Israelites gathered around him, and even though they were ignorant, previously ignorant of who Jesus really was, they must now repent and turn to God. And this goes hand in hand with faith. The Jews, they're called to trust in Jesus as the risen Lord. But before they do that, they must admit that they had done the wrong thing that to say sorry to God. Peter then lists four benefits of turning back to God. I'm going to read out verses 19 and 21, and then we'll look at them one at a time. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. The first benefit that Peter lists is that sins are wiped out. And it's not just about the guilt of having handed over Jesus to be killed. It's about all of their sins. You see, the Jews in particular were meant to be a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. They were meant to be exemplary in their righteousness so that they could be a light to the nations and point the world to God they failed again and again, both as individuals and as a nation. Every selfish act, every lustful deed, every harsh word, every lie they told was a black smear upon them. And perhaps their religious deeds could have fooled some of them. But when God looked at them, they were filthy with sin and in desperate need of cleansing. That's why Jesus died. He took the punishment that the Jews deserve for their unrighteousness so that all who trust in him could be wiped clean. God would look at them and view them as being white as snow. And the wonderful thing is that this promise is not just for the Jews, but for all people who put their trust in Jesus. And so no matter how dirty you might feel, no matter how deep the darkness in your heart might go, Jesus can make you clean and pure and righteous in the eyes of God. All you have to do is trust in Him. The second benefit Peter lists is times of refreshing now and in the future. So it's not refresh as in you're kind of reloading an internet page to see if the website's been updated. It's not refresh as in freshening up your house, a bit of a spring clean or you know buying a new wardrobe of clothes. It's about that sense of relief and renewal that comes after a time that's been painful and troubling and difficult. It's like drinking a cool glass of water on a scorching hot day. It's like that reinvigoration you have after that perfect night's sleep. In fact, it's like what we've experienced after lockdown. There's that sense of a a new start, a new season in life. There's reinvigoration. You could say there's been restoration. A restoration of our freedoms, of our relationships, of our hobbies, of our gathered worship. This is what Jesus brings to us spiritually. A time of refreshment. You have your relationships restored with God so that you can pray to him anytime without fear. You have all of your sins, past, present and future, completely wiped away. You don't have to be burdened by your failings and your mistakes. You have the Holy Spirit poured into your heart and He renews you daily and fills you with God's love. And you have the hope of heaven and an everlasting life that begins today. As Christians, we live in a time of refreshment but we don't get the full experience of it just yet because there are still times of disappointment and frustration in this life. So it's important to remember that what we have now, as wonderful as it is, it's just a glimpse of what's yet to come. Imagine you've gone down to the local outdoor swimming pool, perhaps not on a day like today. Again, think back to last weekend. It was a better weekend, wasn't it? Uh, You've gone to the swimming pool, you've got your bathers on, you're all sunscreened up, and you're waiting for your friends to arrive because you're all going to jump in the pool together. And while you're waiting, you're sitting on the edge and your legs are dangling in the water and it just feels nice. The sun is warm on your back, there's a cool breeze, and you're already feeling refreshed just sitting by the pool. But once your friends arrive, then you get to enjoy the fullness, the full refreshment. You stand up and you dive into the pool with them. And you plunge into those cool waters. You just feel refreshment washing over you. All your troubles are just washed away. Well, brothers and sisters, today we are sitting by the pool, enjoying times of refreshment provided by the Lord. And one day, we will plunge into the heavenly pool of glory and we'll know unending joy and satisfaction. What an amazing benefit for those who repent and believe. And it's as easy as that. The third benefit is that Jesus will return from heaven. Verse 20 says that the Jews must repent and turn to God so that he may send the Messiah who's been appointed for you, even Jesus, that is, Jesus. He's the Jewish Messiah. And he'd ushered in the Messianic age. The Jews had waited a long time for their Christ to come to liberate them. And when he did arrive, he didn't liberate them from Roman occupation, he didn't set them up as a superpower, but rather he set them free from sin, death and the devil. And so now Peter is saying that there's going to be a time where the gospel is preached before Jesus returns from heaven. You may recall that Jesus even said something like this, In Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus will return. And so the book of Acts shows us the beginning of that mission. As the gospel goes to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. This mission continues today. And so it gives us an extra motivator to spread the gospel. See, not only is it about individuals being saved and joining the kingdom and coming to know Jesus, but it's actually getting us closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ. Our repentance and belief is part of what will bring Jesus back. So next week, we'll look at the idea of proclaiming the name of Jesus to others. So Peter is making it clear that God will send Jesus back once the set number of people are converted. And so my advice is, don't delay turning to God. Because you may think you've got the rest of your life to make a decision about Jesus, but don't be so sure that God will wait for you. He's in control of history, not you. The fourth benefit of repentance and faith is that everything will be restored. Restored. I mean, perhaps this is a bit of a catch all for the other three benefits. We'll have a look at verse 21. Peter says, Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. This is what will happen when Jesus returns from heaven the complete physical and spiritual restoration of the world and all who have faith in Jesus. We're talking renewal of the creation itself so that it no longer groans under the weight of the fall. We're talking the healing of all sickness and deformities. We're talking the perfection of all human relationships we will no longer be divided. We're talking complete unity with God and full enjoyment of Him. This is what Peter is getting at when he quotes Genesis chapter 12 in verse 25 saying that through Abraham's offspring, that's Jesus, through Abraham's offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. It's a worldwide event. So can you see then that the lame man's healing is not a sample of what you can get out of Jesus today if you recite his name? I'm having a bad day, just need to say the name Jesus and things will get fixed. It's not a secret code word. To unlock personal blessings. Rather, this healing is a sign that points to God's grand plan for renewing the whole world. And it's happening today with individual people. Physical and spiritual restoration comes by the name of Jesus Christ to all who have faith in Him. So let me finish now by giving you three ideas about how to live in light of this restoration brought by Jesus Christ of Nazareth. First of all, repent by turning to God. And if you've done that, that's amazing. Good stuff. But, you know, it's such an important idea that Peter mentions it twice, in verse 19 and then again in verse 26. And he wants to make it crystal clear that repentance is not... It's not about feeling sorry about your bad deeds, you know, having a bit of regret. It's not about turning over a new leaf. I'm going to repent and try again. It's about turning to God. It's about humbly coming to God and saying sorry and asking Him to renew you because that's the only way that your sins will be wiped clean and that times of refreshing will come. Secondly, secondly, You must listen to Jesus. In verses 22 and 23, Peter makes it clear that Jesus is the ultimate prophet who speaks for God. And the miracle that Peter performed authenticates Jesus' ongoing authority. He's still speaking today. He's teaching you. He's guiding you. He's comforting you. And so as you read the Bible, as you hear sermons and other teaching, Pray that God would help you to submit your heart to Jesus, the Holy and Righteous One. Listen to Him. And finally, enjoy the spiritual refreshment that Jesus brings today while also longing for its fullness. This man was healed so he could worship God. And so as Christians, we should avail ourselves of the benefits Jesus has secured for us. We can pray to God anywhere, anytime. We can read and understand the Bible by the Spirit's help. We can enjoy forgiveness and not be burdened by our failings. We can enjoy fellowship with other believers. Don't waste that. Go out there leaping and praising God and enjoying the benefits He's given you. But also, be prepared for disappointment. Because you'll find yourself with that nagging sense of dissatisfaction. That those times of amazing refreshment and joy, they don't tend to last. And our lives are still up and down, aren't they? That's because we're still waiting for the Messiah to return from heaven, to restore all things. Then we'll plunge into the cool waters of the glorious creation and know everlasting refreshment that will never disappoint Acts 3 is a wonderful account of a man who was physically and spiritually restored by the name of Jesus. And his experience points to the satisfaction that we too can have by trusting in Jesus. And you know what? It's way better than post-lockdown joy and refreshment. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, we, we just thank you that you are still powerful. You're still in control. You're still at work in our lives. You are restoring people physically and spiritually. And so we pray that you would fill us with an ever-deepening satisfaction in you. May we not look to uh, the short-lived joys of this life, but may we long, may we yearn for heaven, where all things will be made new again, where the world will be restored again. We'll be in perfect relationship with you and others. And so may this healing of the lame man today be an encouragement and a reminder for us to keep trusting in you and to patiently wait and to enjoy the satisfaction that we have now. Amen.